was a leak in the boiler room. The poor, the lame, the blind. Who were the ones that we kept in charge? Killers, thieves, and lawyers. God's away, God's away, God's away on business, business. God's away, God's away, God's away on business, business. Welcome to the Armageddon in Retrospect podcast. Here in the United States on the East Coast right now, it is Saturday morning. Do you ever wake up on Saturday morning, have coffee and breakfast, and just think about how you don't have to go out and knock on doors or preach? That is still one of the greatest feelings in the world to me, and I always try to appreciate that. I think it's those little things sometimes when you're an extra witness that are so important. And especially given what I'm going to talk about today, uh, today is not really a happy, clappy uh, episode. I uh, received some bad news this week, and I just kind of want to talk about it. Uh, kind of breaking into two parts, really, the episode and both, in a way, revolve around shunning. Uh, one is just my story from this week, and then the other is just kind of a little way I found of thinking about it. So my parents and other Jehovah's Witness family members have been shunning me for several years now. Even prior to disassociating myself, they had already essentially completely cut me off. During that time, uh, those couple of years, my parents would sometimes send a couple of links via Facebook Messenger, just a link with no additional words or messages. And it was typically a link to a Jehovah's Witness convention to watch it on Zoom or whatever they started doing during the pandemic, uh, and, or maybe a news article that supposedly was signaling the proximity of Armageddon, that the end of the world's coming, read this article, and it proves that all the Bible prophecies are being fulfilled, and therefore come back to Jehovah before it's too fucking late, and he hits you with the fireball. Okay, so that's been the communication. This week, I received a link as well. Uh, it's been over a year, I think, since I've had any acknowledgement of my existence from my parents uh and again before that it's not like it was good communication at all either it was pretty much full-on shunning but the last thing they sent me was about a year ago uh and so i got this link and uh also no additional words or message along with the link the link was to my uncle's obituary my uncle, who was a devout Jehovah's Witness, passed away after battling cancer for a couple of years. And that was the link I got. Uh, a little backstory about this uncle. We were very close with him and his family growing up. So camping trips together, fishing uh, trips with him, mini vacations we would do together. 
he lived a few hours away, but we would often go down and visit him and his family. They would come and visit us. And it wasn't just when I was a child. I, As an adult, when I got a car, I would still visit him. I would visit his family. And even when I was at Bethel, you know, they would they came to New York to visit. So it was, we were close. And I want to say that I really sincerely loved the man. Uh, I thought he was a great person. He was strong. He was, in a good way, he was funny. He had an excellent sense of humor, kind, and just extremely generous. And just all in all, a good, genuine person. Now, when he was first diagnosed with cancer, it didn't look like he would make it two and a half years. It was pancreatic cancer. It looked like it was going to, within a couple of months, um, end his life. Now, because it looked so uh, bleak of an out, uh, outlook or result, my parents decided to contact me via my ex, <laughs> not even directly, via my ex to, to give me the news. And they said they were going to ask for permission of my uncle for me to visit him given those circumstances. They wanted to see if he would be, and I quote, comfortable with me coming to his house. Why did they have to ask? Not because he had a compromised immune system. Not because he was too tired to receive visitors. But they had to see if he would be comfortable with my presence as a now unbeliever. So that's how things start to look when you no longer believe as a Jehovah's Witness. And to his credit, I guess we'll say to his credit, he said it'd be fine. His family said it'd be fine. They'd be happy to have me. And so I made arrangements to make a trip out. Uh, it was a considerable drive out to where he lived from, from eastern United States, uh, oh, about 11 or 12 hours in the car each way. But I wanted to make that effort to see him and to try to offer some support. And to be honest, it, it was challenging to see him in that condition. He had been such a strong person, and he was still strong. Uh, just physically, the, the cancer was taking a toll on him, obviously. But he still had a beautiful mental strength and a, like a tasteful sense of humor. And it wasn't just kind of the d dismissive Jehovah's Witness attitude sometimes, like, oh, Jehovah's going to fix all this. He's going to bring me back to life. He's going to give me perfect health. Of course, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if they're together, are going to talk about that. But it was just even just a little bit of a deeper strength about him reassuring his family and reassuring us and, again, just really showing courage in the face of a, a terrible illness. Uh and on my end, uh, besides the challenge of seeing him like that, you know, in that physical condition, it was difficult uh, to be there with my parents because they also made the trip down for that weekend. And we were there together and I was with my cousins. And f for that weekend, there was the semblance of being a family again. 
And the challenge with that, the difficulty was knowing that things would go back to the way they were after I left from that weekend. And, and that's something you face when you're being shunned. You get bad family news and <laughs> delivered very badly and put into these situations where, you know, possibly, I, this is my case, uh, I'm, I'm discussing, it could be different for someone else. Putting in these situations where you're just this temporary family because this bad thing has happened. But then as soon as the necessary family business, as they would say, is over, so is the contact with the family. It goes back to the way it was. Um, if you're in that situation, really my heart goes out to you. It's just heartbreaking at certain times to be dealing with. And I, I just want to think about this as well, that kind of thinking about how the news was delivered. I was treated the same as a member of the public in this case. I was sent an obituary with no additional acknowledgement of my loss. I understand the loss uh, for, for my parents, for all the family, for his children, for his wife. I, and I'm not you know, trying to avoid acknowledging that. And of course, it's a, it's a huge loss for everyone. But there was no acknowledgement of my loss, the fact that I lost an uncle that I deeply cared about. And an obituary usually runs a few days after the death. So I received the news at the same time non-family members did. Uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make this about me. And definitely I'm not trying to stain my uncle's memory at all. It's obviously not his doing. And, and even my parents could have handled this differently, perhaps. But it's just the way the organization moves people to act this way. That's the only way I can put it. And I'm just, as I was, that happened this week, I just wanted to talk about it because I'm trying to process it, the treatment that, that one may receive from their Jehovah's Witness relatives when things like this happen. So again, I'm very sorry if you're also dealing with similar situations in your life. And that led me to think about, uh, I just want to do kind of a contrast here. I think that there's two types of Armageddon as an ex-Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> there's what I like to call real Armageddon, and there's fake Armageddon. Real Armageddon is what happens when you leave or are kicked out of the organization. And fake Armageddon is the event that's never going to happen that Jehovah's Witnesses constantly promote where God comes in to destroy the wicked and give the earth over to his loyal Jehovah's Witness servants. So in fake Armageddon, the one the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, most people who aren't Jehovah's Witnesses are going to die at God's hand. In real Armageddon, the organization makes you dead to Jehovah's Witnesses. In fake Armageddon, 
there's a time period before it known as the Great Tribulation and Jehovah's Witness Doctrine, where the whole world goes to shit and Jehovah's Witnesses are tested. In real Armageddon, usually your life goes to shit for a period of time <laughs> before you kicked out, you're kicked out or you leave. And your, cor- your courage to be yourself and to believe what you want to believe is definitely tested. Fake Armageddon is promised to be coming soon, but it never arrives. Real Armageddon arrives the moment you open your mouth and start disagreeing with Jehovah's Witnesses and the organization. Fake Armageddon leads to paradise, an endless eternity of obeying Jehovah, Jesus, and the anointed, and petting pandas, and frolicking around with lions and lambs and all that good stuff. In real Armageddon, it leads to the paradise of mental freedom for the short time that we have on this planet. So that was just a little thought experiment I was doing. You can probably think of some other ones as well. I just wanted to acknowledge uh, this story and those ideas because I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast who are being shunned by their Jehovah's Witness family members. And I think it's good just to at least acknowledge it and talk about the pain that comes and maybe hear another voice, someone else who's dealing with it. And it's unhealthy the way uh, they treat us, obviously. (laughs) You would like it to be different. Uh, At the same time, uh, I think it's a way without I'm not trying to to downplay the negativity of it or the pain of it but it is a way to build a, a certain inner strength and resiliency as well it, that's the positive that can come from it and I felt extremely weak and vulnerable and angry and sad when I got the news and how I got it this week. But having some time to go through it, think about it, process it more and more, look at not just the grief of the death, but the grief of how you're treated in the face of that. And then just think about what it teaches me, what it teaches me about myself, what it teaches me about my family as Jehovah's Witnesses, what it teaches me about how I'm treating other people, even now that I'm not a Jehovah's Witness anymore. So those are a few thoughts. Feel free to reach out to me. If, if you need to process it, you need someone to talk to, feel free to send me a message via Instagram at Armageddon Podcast or an email uh, armageddonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope to have another episode out soon. There's a leak in the boiler room, the poor, the lame, the blind. Who are the ones that we kept in charge? Killers, thieves, and lawyers. God's away, God's away.